0: Welcome to the Church Doctors Podcast with Scott and Marla Sheely. The Church Doctors Podcast is brought to you by Outpouring International. Love God, love people.
1: Well, what a special day it is today on the Church Doctors Podcast. I have with me my whole family. I have Marla and I are here. Hi, I'm here. And I have, uh, all of the rest of my four kids are home for uh, Christmas holidays here in Columbia Falls, Montana. And so we have Janelle. Hello. And Janae. Howdy. And Justin. (laughs) What's up, everybody? And Joy. Hello. And we are the Sheely family. We've been... We've
2: uh, been a family for a while. We've
1: been a family for the whole time <laughs> that we've been together. As long yes. as I can remember. <laughs> I can't remember a time we weren't. Family. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we decided that what a take advantage of this uh, rare opportunity that we're all in the same house together to do a podcast. So we thought it would be fun to bring up stories or talk about what it was like growing up as a Sheely uh as in a Scott and Marla's house, everybody asks us how did how did you raise four kids that they all love jesus um they serve the church in different uh ways and uh are are anointed in their giftings and callings and people see that and they're like how did, how did you do that with four kids and so
2: and we, our answer usually is, I don't know. We
3: just did.
2: It's I just think luck of the draw. Step
3: one for the uh, recipe is you have to grow up on a church camp, right? <laughs> yeah. for at least yeah. a certain amount of years.
1: Yeah. So, what was that like? We lived on a church camp for eleven years, and you were there uh, for one year, Joy.
4: That, is, that doesn't count for me. Okay, <laughs>
1: we'll have to we'll have to that add is, Joy in later yeah. then. So, we grew up on a church camp on a on a lake in Manford, Oklahoma. Called Camp Victory, and Janelle, Janae, and Justin were my indentured servants. They didn't know it, but they they did every. <laughs> they
4: were.
5: I think we did know. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about it in therapy now. In our yeah,
3: yes. the free candy every day, we really it really helped out. Yeah,
0: I actually, I think it was the free candy that turned us into such good people.
3: Yeah.
1: If you hear a little bit of mic noise in the background, it's because we only have four mics and there's six of us, so we're sharing microphones. So we'll bear with us on that.
2: As we slide them back and forth.
1: (laughs) So yeah, we had a we had a fishing (laughs) pond, a go kart track, uh, a concession stand, of course the kitchen and cafeteria and chapel, chapel, and hiking trails and canoes and my kids and I we. Sometimes single-handedly ran church camp for whole groups right. of kids, up to a hundred kids at a time, and uh,
2: and they and our kids weren't very old. I mean, we're talking like I was 12 about to say. 10. I
3: remember having a key to like the go karts and like important things as like a six year old. Well, it's
5: true. Like I was like at twelve, like running the go kart track. Like people were like adults are like, you know, can I get on? I'm like, no. Please, sir, step back. Yeah. We're not ready yet. Like,
3: <laughs> get back in line, sir.
0: We were like eight years old, yeah. handling people's money at the concession stand, yeah. and making change. And-, and
1: and the funny thing about that is, is that when my kids were eight years old, making change for teenagers, they could do the change faster than the che- teenagers because they were so used to counting out money every day. <laughs> yeah, it's kind oh, fun to watch.
0: Oh dear.
2: I was thinking we had more activities than that, but apparently not. It sure felt like it.
0: Ropes course, hiking trails. Oh, yeah. Oh. The nature trail. Of course, there was those times we would take the go-karts out of the tracks mm-hmm. and take the governors off without only, dad knowing.
1: Only when the, uh, nobody <laughs> was there on the camp. And then
0: we would accidentally crash them, and then he'd have to come get them out of the <laughs> grass, <laughs> and <laughs> he'd, <laughs> and <laughs> he'd <laughs> find and out. stuck them
1: out the, road. Of the ditch.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, did
2: we say BB guns?
1: Oh, we did have a BB gun range too and archery. Yeah, the did what,
2: what happened at the BB with the BB guns once, Justin?
3: Um, I got into a lot of trouble with the BB guns. <laughs> <laughs> I had that was one of the things I had a key to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, one one day we were up. Uh, I don't think anybody was there, and Justin and one of his friends who was visiting camp, or he was—I
5: think it was a cousin.
1: He was a cousin. Was was Maybe. it or was it?
5: This happened on more than a one occasion.
1: It depends case. on Isaac. what occasion you're yeah, talking about. I'm not, not sure about? what you're talking about. When <laughs> yeah, I shot, when him, <laughs> <he> <laughs> his when he shot the uh, window out of the back of the fire truck that I had on camp. Oh, yeah, I don't remember that.
4: I remember that. Uh mm-hmm. huh. It was I an do.
1: accident. It uh-huh. was, but uh.
0: It was Justin and Isaac Anderson. <laughs>
1: yeah, that is right. that's probably <laughs> dynamic. That's deal. called I, out. That's <laughs> how I remember it too, and uh, it was a it was a '80s uh, Desert Storm remade remade in a pickup truck made into a uh, a fire truck. So I just went to the junkyard and put a new one in. So it wasn't a big deal.
2: <laughs> oh. We did lots of fun things on the camp. Lot worked lots of long hours and long weekends.
1: So, how did working at the camp help make you who you are today? What do you think the benefits are, or, or the con pros and cons <laughs> of growing up on a church camp?
5: So, I think the pros were definitely providing us with a really good work ethic, because um, I think we were leaps and bounds ahead of other kids our age. Like. By the time we entered the workforce, we were able to do anything. I remember like my first actual job where it was actually legal for me to work would, you know, I was, I was doing more work than, you know, some adults and better quality. Um, the cons, though, is seeing in myself, um, sometimes I can't sit still because I feel like I have to do something. So um, since we were so little, always doing stuff, sometimes I have to be really intentional about rest and sitting still.
3: I don't have that problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think work ethic was a big part of it cuz like you'd go to work and you'd be the best employee cuz no one else would want to work. And the con to that would be you'd end up doing all the work because yeah. they knew you would do it and you didn't get paid more but you still did everyone's work. So I'd say that's a pretty big con of having Yeah. like being able to work and not just do the bare minimum to and get that, by.
1: And that goes you know, I don't know, we could still stay at the camp. But it also goes fast forward to we pastored a couple churches together as a family also. And uh, it's kind of the same idea in ministry. If you're there, then you just do you do it because mm-hmm. you look around and nobody else is there. So you just do the job. And so people get used to seeing people that are wired to work, do all the work, and they sit back and let them do the work. It's, that's how it works, I guess.
2: Joy was at the churches, so yes. she, she can be part of this conversation now. They just think
0: we have the, the servant gift. Like, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're just the servants because they have the servant gift. But actually, and it's like, no, no, I don't. I don't have
1: work. No, right, what it really is, though, is it's a leadership gift.
5: You just need to be discipled.
1: No, no, leaders, <laughs> leaders serve people. And leaders make sure that everybody else's experience is going to be good. And so we do whatever needs to be done to make sure that everybody else's experience is good. That's what a leader does. So, that, I mean, that I think that's what people see when they see you guys at church or at work. They see leaders.
2: Well, and I think too, people think, well, how how do they know how to do so many things? Well, we don't. We just step in and do it because nobody else is doing it, and you just learn how to do it as you're doing it
0: you can always google it later right say yes and then google later
4: <laughs> yeah uh, joy do you remember anything working at the church i remember running the concession stand in the kids building but that's about it that's about it yeah
1: concession stand at the church that was on uh, wednesday nights at children's church
4: Yeah, i'd be taking my friend's money and- Giving them hopefully the right change back. <laughs> I can't count very well.
3: <laughs> I don't think anybody noticed. No.
1: And uh, and then another thing that we would do uh, at 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 some point, I think when the kids were around, you know, ten or eleven or so, I started traveling overseas on missions trips, and I would take uh, each of the kids with me. And uh, so the first one to go with me would have been Justin. Where did we go, Justin? Uh, We went to Peru. I was nine years old.
2: Nine years old. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that.
3: Um, Probably the biggest thing that I remember is the food because when you're nine years old and you're a boy, you remember the food (laughs) (laughs) and the amount of food that was given. Um, I learned very quickly how to say, I don't need any more food because they would give you just – Four pounds of food every time you ate, and then as soon as you finished it, they would give you the same exact amount again.
1: Yeah, uh, if you if you cleaned your whole plate off, it meant that I'm still hungry, and so they would fill it back up. Yeah, and uh, Justin I would look at me and go, "Here, I can't eat I, all this." So that's too I would. Much. So we were we were raised. You ate what was set before you. Eat everything. It was a compliment to the cook. So Justin would slide his plate over to me, and I would eat the rest of what was on Justin's plate. And eat all of what was on my plate too. And then the lady would see empty plates and she would bring out two full loads of chicken and potatoes and all the things and so bring much, it right back so out. Much we food. were both like, oh no. It was good.
3: <laughs> it was just too
1: much. And ice cream.
3: Um, you were, yeah.
5: You were a cute little blonde boy. Yeah. Then.
3: I They pinched I your cheeks I a lot. Received a lot of candy <laughs> from people, from cute little Peruvian
1: girls at churches. Um, uh-huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you uh wore out john pena he he uh he herded you like a little chicken down the streets because we were in places where uh potentially uh you could have been a kidnap victim <laughs> and john was trying to protect you and and uh all you were looking at was where the ice cream store was and you <laughs> He, he kept pushing you back in line. That Ignorance was, was bliss. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Yep.
3: Uh, and then I think Janae
2: went next. Did you go to the Philippines next? Oh, I think that was Janelle was next. Janelle. The
1: microphone Where there. did you go with uh, me first? So
5: my first trip was to Argentina, and I was 14. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, we talked about that on the podcast that I was a part of a few back, about being on the radio and... Uh, healing people with words of knowledge. Yeah. Over the radio. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that trip where we were, we got to meet the gypsies for the first time. And we also had bukus of food. Um, Yeah. Steaks
1: bigger than the plate. Yeah.
5: Each of us got like individual chickens to eat, which was a lot. So, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, no, that was a great trip. And then it was Janae's turn.
1: And then Janae went with me too. I think
0: I was twelve when we went to the Philippines. It was probably the same year you guys went to Argentina. Yeah. But Argentina was first. But I remember a lot of it the food we had was a lot different, I feel like, because we traveled to a lot of remote areas. I remember one trip we took to go to a church, we like got in a car, got in a jeepney, took a bus, crossed a river, got on motorcycles. Got on another bus and then we walked the rest of the way up this mountain
1: a long ways, to the church. Like three or four Yeah, miles.
0: A couple, several miles. Worst sunburn of my life was that day <laughs> in the Philippines. We had to
1: we had to walk across the river. Yeah,
0: too. we walked across the river and everyone was so worried because my pants were wet. They thought I was going to get hypothermia, but it was like eighty to ninety degrees <laughs> outside. But they were so worried about me. But I remember up there, that place we went to, we were like some of the first like white people they'd ever seen before, the first Americans they'd ever seen before. And I'm pretty sure they fed us dog yeah. at this church. We had a
1: rule. Janae and I had a rule. I said, watch me. And if I taste it and it's no good, I'll give you a sign. And so I tasted it and I, I shook my head, no, don't eat it, because <laughs> it was bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they they had seen like one other white guy up there, the missionary that I Traveled with, probably, and that was about it. So they treated us like kings mm-hmm. and tried to make a, a big, fancy meal for us, but I'm uh, pretty sure it was dog, too. Yeah, it was bad. Sure. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh,
5: my. I was so jealous of this trip. I was so jealous because you got to, like, climb mountains and forge rivers. Anyway, I, I think I've forgiven you at this point. <laughs> yeah,
1: <it> was, <laughs> that was, yeah, I mean, we went. It was think, pretty cool. The guys yeah. that went with us had two poles on their shoulders with a generator hanging from the poles and sounds gear. And they hauled all that up there into that remote village. I mean, we walked through rice paddies and yeah. I mean, it was like over the river and through the woods, Filipino style. So, wow.
0: yeah, that was good. And then I think we went to several places that were really remote. And then that one place with the kids and they gave us the cup of, it was pink, it was warm and it was rice and it was a drink.
1: Yeah, it was kind of like horchata in But it was in, in like pieces of rice. It Was wasn't, it good? It's rice, no. <laughs> it? No. It was probably rice milk with Kool-Aid in it. Oh, Something dear. like that, it, Something but it was like warm. Yeah, it was bad. I yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Like what about you, Joy? Did you ever go on one? I went
4: on, I think, like five. I went to five different countries.
3: What was your
4: first one? I think the first one was Mexico, but I don't remember it. Was
3: really yeah, young. you
1: were two, I think. Three.
4: I, the biggest one I went on was um, to Rwanda, Africa, but I don't really remember a whole lot of that other than just being sick the whole time. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you did enjoy uh, food, since we were talking about food. What was your favorite food?
4: I don't... Oh, the only thing that I could stomach because I was so sick was lasagna from this one
2: restaurant. That <laughs> makes no sense. And, and the reason you were sick was because of the malaria medicine that you had to take.
4: That and... Riding in the aer- the airplane, that was, like, the longest trip I had had, and I yeah. was still getting, like... And you get motion, motion sick, sick really easy, yeah. so... Yeah.
2: yeah. And then the malaria pills, you couldn't take those. Yeah, and I can't
4: swallow pills, so I would have to eat the inside of the malaria pills. It was <laughs> <in Oreos>, really <laughs> nasty. And, yeah, inside Oreos, so that they would taste a little bit better, but it didn't work.
3: Joe was like a little dog, you had to put the
1: peanut butter around. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Joy Joy was young, so she doesn't remember a lot of that, and she did have a rough trip, but I remember her laying hands on kids in the churches with dirt floors out in the middle of nowhere and healing people, uh, uh, drawing uh, uh, pictures uh, in the spirit and handing it to people and seeing them get touched and healed because of that, and uh, getting to see uh, real Africa life out I mean, mile—you know, fifty miles away from yeah. uh, anything—and uh, to see how they lived out there.
2: I remember her speaking to a girls' school. I think it was shared the gospel there, and then she got up and shared the gospel using an interpreter to at a Congolese uh, refugee camp. Remember that?
4: I don't remember that.
2: Don't yeah. remember that. And
1: one, you did—you did radio in Rwanda. Oh, to, you did that to, too. Uh, yes. Over three million listeners. I do remember that. Yeah. I, think,
4: I think all I said was hi, and then I just watched.
2: <laughs> no, I think you shared some stories or something. But it was it was a great trip that you were – you did really good considering the challenges you had to go through. So, so you've each shared one. Can you each share uh, maybe a favorite moment from any of your trips that you've been on? Because you've been on more than just what you shared on. Uh, you've all been on multiple trips. So maybe come up with something that um, that's a, a memory, that's a really neat memory from one of your trips.
3: A, a spiritual memory? It or, could be. Uh,
2: <laughs> well, it is a spiritual podcast. So maybe.
3: Um, my mom forced me to learn how to make balloon animals. <laughs> I did. Uh, so that when I went on mission trips, I could minister to children easier um and so after learning a ton of things uh i wasn't fast at it so i the only thing i could make quickly was like dog shaped things or uh flowers or there was like swords and stuff easy things but then um i think it was mexico i think it was peru peru again where they followed you the first time yeah so we were at a church and at this point, it was, like, halfway through the trip, and I had already done, like, a ton of balloon animals and stuff. And, like, one one village, it was, like, a bunch of switchbacks, and we were just going door-to-door, just, you know, inviting people or whatever. And, and I think there was, like, a crowd of, like, 40 or 50 kids just surrounding me. And I was, like, trying to make balloon animals as fast <laughs> as possible and, like, remember their faces because they would pop and come back. And, like, I didn't get one. I'm, like, yeah, you did. <laughs> um, but then uh, at one of the churches, I was, like, all right, I got to use the restroom. So I, like ran to the bathroom and, like three, four kids came in there, and they're all yelling Globos at me, and that's when I learned the Globos meant balloons in Spanish while I was trying to use the restroom. Um, but that was a really funny memory of, of just, like, I think that was the first experience of, like, doing balloons uh, with ministry. Yeah, that,
1: that one that you mentioned that was up on the hill, it was a community that didn't have water. Yeah, we were giving them water. And yeah. we, we rented a water truck and walked with the water truck down the street and filled up everybody's water barrel. And then Justin started giving away balloons, and immediately every child within a, a half a mile came to where Justin was, and we ended up having like a hundred children. And then their their parents came with them, and we ended up having church on that on that street corner, all because this six foot four or four, at that time six foot three or four. Uh, got, guy The white guy is standing there tying balloons, and they, they all wanted one. And so it's yeah. pretty neat how God can use that. Yeah, so now I know how to make balloon animals.
2: And you know how to do Jonah and the whale.
1: Yeah,
3: I know how to do some stuff. Some tricks.
2: Yeah. yeah, some tricks. All right, who's next?
5: I think the most impactful story for me ever is still the time where we went to Vietnam. And uh, a lot of times I forget we went on this trip just because— you know, we couldn't – there's still a communist nation, country, and so you can't really talk about it. Like we – so sometimes I totally forget that we even went because I don't have a lot of pictures. Like we didn't post anything on Facebook or anything. And so sometimes I, I legitimately forget. But um, my favorite story was we, uh, we went to a leper colony. And uh, with the purpose of um, giving them food because they're so um, leprosy is totally curable, but the government chooses not to cure their disease. Instead, they put them in colonies. And uh, and that means them and their families. It doesn't matter if they don't just put the person with the disease. If you if a family member has it, the entire family goes oh, and the whole family you're, to? yeah wow, it's I didn't you're that. you're exiled basically to this community and there's no hope for you. That's where mm. you stay. And the sad thing is, is they can cure it, but they choose not to. So we went in and we gave them big fifty pounds of bags of rice and loved them and ministered to them and and I we remember we were standing in front and I remember. So back up. I was a little freaked out because I didn't totally understand leprosy at this point. I was like, you know, you read it in the Bible, and everyone was like super like afraid <laughs> of right. the people, you know. And I was like, okay, you know, is this like, is it possible I could catch leprosy <laughs> while I'm here <laughs> at this colony? And uh, so I remember, you know, having that inner dialogue with myself before we got there. And we get there, we're handing out food, and then we, and then I see this man who was peeking his head around the corner of the church, and. He would get closer and closer, but he was really careful about keeping his distance. And later he, you know, he got enough courage to ask the interpreter if us, the missionaries, were afraid to touch him. And when that was translated, something in me just broke. And I was like, Absolutely now, we are not afraid to touch you. And so we ended up giving this man hugs and just loved on him. And it was like the most I would think it was the closest moment that I felt like close to Jesus in that aspect of like Jesus touched the leper and went against every social norm because of the love in his heart for him. And um, yeah, so that, that story still wrecks me pretty good, to, to love the unlovable, you know, and yeah, that's I
1: love that one.
2: That's a good one too. Janae he, or Joy?
1: He said it in a way that was like a challenge, I think, because yeah, he, he'd been so too. hurt that he was like, oh, I bet you guys are afraid to touch me. <laughs>
2: If you keep hearing a but, uh, beep in the background, just to FYI, that's our dryer. We're at home doing this. <laughs> <laughs> laundry done. Uh,
0: laundry's done. done. I don't have one yet. Joy, you got one? No. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I really have a hard time like remembering those trips. I was having a hard time
0: thinking of one while listening to the other stories. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that was a while ago. Yeah. For your trip, Janae. Um. We did a lot of – it was a fast trip. We were doing things constantly. Yeah, we the did. The roads were horrible back then. They're a lot better since – I went back again since I went with you there. But the, we would go on a trip. We'd have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and drive to to a place, and we'd be going down what was supposed to be the, the state, the international highway for this island, you know, the main state highway. And uh, it was so full of holes that you, there was more hole than there was road, And the but, but the van driver <laughs> kept trying to miss them all. <laughs> <laughs> so we thought, it's okay, I didn't sleep very much last night. I'll sleep in the van on the way to the to this next place. But the van driver would try to miss every hole. Oh, so we were like, whoop, 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 whoop. No sleeping here. <laughs> uh,
0: so. I guess just in general, um, everywhere we've gone, I think I've only been to the Philippines, Mexico a couple times, and Belize. But in all those places, it's really cool when we go to – Either the churches or outreaches. How many people come expectant? Like they are like so excited to be there and so excited to hear from God. They're not necessarily there for us. Maybe some of them were, but it was really cool just to see that in every single place. Like everyone was hungry yeah. and everyone was ready. And does that for change it. you? Like when you come back, are you changed because you went on a trip? I mean, yeah, it's definitely. Changes parts of you.
2: Because you've traveled. Because you've got you've left the country and gone yeah, somewhere Yeah, I mean, when else.
0: anytime you leave, even going out of state, you meet new people and you meet new cultures and you see how other people live. Because if you think that everyone thinks the same way as you or believes the same as you, that's not a very good way to live your life. You need to see how other people live their, their lives and how they think, and then you can better relate to everyone around you. Yeah.
1: That's good. Yeah. A lot of the places we went was extreme poverty. It was dirty. I mean, uh, not, not every trip, but, but when you see that and you see that the word of God is, is the same, no matter where you're at for, for the people that we visited, where people would get healed, people would get saved. Um, the churches that we keep going back to year after year, they would grow and, and get stronger and stronger, uh, as we love them and encourage them. And, uh, it's it's just changes your outlook. The world gets a lot smaller when you travel and, and visit uh, different places.
5: So to bring it back to the question about you know like how did we turn out so well or like be able to still be in the ministry, I think one of the key things for us or for me to think about was that at a at such a young age we were allowed to minister. We were encouraged to minister. Like it wasn't just something that that the adults only were allowed to do. Like, I remember being very little and being encouraged, you know, to go prophesy or to go lay hands on the sick. And um, it was something that we were allowed to play with, if you were. Yeah. Oh, I just like, got a
1: flashback of Janelle standing on the stage with me with the uh, 350 pastors at a pastor's conference in the Philippines. And I said, Janelle, you have a word for it. Yeah, have a word and her eyes got like dinner plate size she goes I do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
5: and so it was stuff like that you know so from a very young age being allowed a allowed room to minister and to practice our giftings is a huge deal as as a young person because um, that really solidifies your relationship with the Lord because you have to lean in on Him in those moments like you can't make something up like you can't you can't <laughs> You know,
3: <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of times because, and you hear it in church all the time of like, oh, there's no junior Holy Spirit, but then when things like missions trips happen or, or ministry times happen, the kids get put into a room for daycare or put into a, a space to not be involved in, you know, I mean, obviously there's, there's a certain, you know, like obviously you're not going to have your infants and, you know, but like not only saying there's no junior Holy Spirit, but, but showing your kids and showing uh, just young people that, that there really isn't. Like, you can really go out and do what you're seeing, and you can do it right now. You don't have to wait, you know? And we and it's, I, like, as a youth pastor, you say that all the time. Like, oh, you know, David, you know, went and killed the giant when he was little, but then, like, you don't expect anything from anybody, you right. know? You like, think
2: it has to be, you have to be 18 or older. Right, right,
3: and, and the kids feel that, too. They're like, oh, well, I'll just do that later, or whatever, but when you really... And and not that you're forcing it, but when you're like, you're doing it, you're you, you, know, like the old western where like the guy throws the kid into the, to the pond because he doesn't know to how to swim. swim. Yeah. You know, it's like that's really what you have to you like get him like push them push him in, yeah. get him get him wet. A yeah. Sad
2: thing is though is there's a lot of adults that have never done it either, and so you yeah. have to do when we take groups of people. There's a lot of people. We just have to push. Just
3: line them up. Just and throw and them. Shove. Up, you
2: shove them into the water. Go. Yeah,
0: yeah I think it's yeah. important to not have a children's church mentality because if you only like if the only time your your children experience god is at children's church most of the time it's just it's like a really low level of it and they're just playing games it's mostly for entertainment most children's church is just for entertainment until church is over and so that's all they ex- ever experience and then they go to youth group and most of the time it's the same thing again unless you have a good church where it's actually has depth to the service and you're learning and there's good worship or otherwise you're just playing games and being entertained until your parents are done and then whenever you go to quote-unquote big church <laughs> what we used to you're call disappointed yeah. because you're like oh this is what god it's really real is it's not fun anymore it's No quiet seat prizes? Yeah, it's just, it's different because (laughs) you're not, (laughs) it's not the experience you're used to and the fact that, it's not that God isn't fun, it's just you get disappointed because, oh, well, this is boring or my friends aren't here anymore and that's the reason I'm coming. And so I think it's important to make sure that your kids realize how important it is to serve God and and to talk to them about it at home and not just be Mm -hmm. in that church thing because... Most of the time once kids grow or age out of youth group, they stop going to church.
1: Yeah. And, yeah. and not that not that doing church together I mean, we we saw people get healed. I mean, over the years we've seen, you know, the lame walk and the the blind are seeing and the deaf ears are opening and we're prophesying to people and they're like, How did you know that? I mean, so we're seeing the kingdom of God manifesting, but at the same time, I mean in between that, in between the church and the hotel or wherever, we're just laughing so hard we're crying every all the time. It's it's not that, it's not that ministering is like this somber experience. Like, but I mean, even in the middle of it, Justin's funny all the time. He can't minister without being. <laughs> yeah.
3: Honest. Well, I had something to to piggyback off what Janae said is is um that it's at home too. Uh, I find a lot of the time when kids are dropped off, people expect the the youth pastor the children's church pastor to to handle that aspect of their child's life and although we're there to help we're that's your job that's your responsibility you know and I think that that's something that you guys did well is it wasn't you didn't just drop us off at church and be like you know hope you learned something it was like we were learning. When we weren't at church. All we the time. Were, That's we were,
2: because we had the VeggieTales playing in right. the van. You got, but like, <laughs> video. but for real
3: though, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I find, I see it all the time. There's, you see parents yeah, that drop your kids off and they just expect their kid to start acting better when they come back because the youth pastor was was supposed to take over that part of their, you know, they're supposed to be spiritually strong because, you know, that and and we we want to and we try and we we do as what we can but that at-home time with with parents and kids is so important. The
2: train of the child and the way they should go and when they're
5: old they won't depart from it. yeah, Yeah, I mean, there was a reason why in the Bible God had them set up stones or monuments so that way when they walked by their fathers and mothers could explain to them the faithfulness and the goodness of God. So it's not a, a once a week thing. If we if we create cre- create a if we if we take Christianity as just a once a week thing, we're going to live unfulfilled lives, and we're going to live void of power. And um, so we just have to have we have to have it in our lives all the time.
2: Yeah, and I think too that we. Uh, parents think that, well, I read a devotion with my kids or I pray with them before they go to sleep, but there's more to life than that. There's more to Christianity than just reading a Bible story or a devotion and praying a prayer at nighttime with them. It's a way of living.
3: Yeah. And to go back to dad's point, it should be fun. Mm -hmm. Like I I feel like the disciples had loads and loads of fun with Jesus. You can't tell me that they weren't walking down the street, just having a blast, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's fun. I, I mean, at least the way we do it. And it's re, re, super rewarding to actually know that the gift that God put inside of you before he created the, the whole earth, and you're partnering with an alive God right there in somebody else's life is better because you gave something out of your your gift actually worked and you saw it happen right in front of you. And then you if you're diligent and and you keep practicing your gift, it gets better and better and better and uh to see each one of my kids you know operate in those different areas of their life is just for a dad. it's super rewarding for me and and you know for each one of them to to know that God is is partnering with you, go ahead and do it i just i mean that's that's the best life ever i mean i <laughs> I, I it is rewarding, it is fun and uh uh i just want to encourage everybody listening you know it might be seem a little bit daunting or overwhelming all the things that we just rattled off to the way we raised our family but we didn't do that all at once we did we did one thing at a time each day at a time we we were intentional to hold our kids to what we felt like was uh, the scriptures to live according to that and to go to church, we were in church every time the doors... Sometimes we live 45 miles away from church, and we still were at church every time the door was open. Then we would have chapel services at camp and uh, still invite people over to our house and do Bible studies. I mean, it was that's just... We made it a way of... That's our life. This is our life. It's not something that we add to our life and check off, off the box. And so this is a... We just want to encourage you, if you're listening and you're raising kids or you're grandparents and you're trying to encourage uh, other your your family, uh, it's just start with what you have. Start where you're at. Find a place to serve. Find a place to give away what you have. And, uh, and, it, and it will be rewarding for you, too.
2: And don't be discouraged if what you see now in your children, um, you think, well, man, if the—, the Where they are now, I just don't see them becoming anything, uh, anything having to do with God in the future. Take a moment, each of you, and tell us what you wanted to be when you grew up, and then
1: what you are now. (laughs) Joy, Joy, you go first.
4: I wanted to be a tablecloth. (laughs) She
1: did. (laughs) That's the truth. Okay, but she was like two or three. Yeah, but
3: she. But she still wanted. But she was very serious. Yes, she
2: was. What
3: what kind of tablecloth?
4: Like a gingham with cloth, <laughs> red. I was, it was It was my dream. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Justin? Um, well, dad was a f- like a volunteer firefighter, so I was like, I want to be a firefighter.
2: And you wanted to be a circuit riding preacher too.
3: I don't remember that. You but, did, yes. You did. But y- giddy up.
5: <laughs> Speaking of giddy up, I dreamed that I would be a trick rider and I would have horses and I would do beautiful tricks.
2: And you're not now.
5: No, I I've yeah. never really were, ridden on a horse longer than like five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> it's still a dream, though. <laughs> uh, I wanted to
0: own a macaroni and cheese store, like a restaurant. <laughs> but it was I called it a macaroni and cheese store. And then I've always wanted to be a writer.
1: Yeah, but she's doing but she that. But I'm also doing and that now. She so. can make some pretty kicking mac and cheese. Yes, she can. I make really good mac and cheese. So, so honestly, a cheat, everything she unlocked unlock, got. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: If so, you want to learn how to follow your dreams, just follow me on the the podcast, and I'll I follow. I <laughs> will give the
2: recipe in the link. Yeah, recipe
3: not for sale. I think as I grew up, though, I was like, I just want to. I like working with my hands and building, and so that's what I do now. Is I. I build stuff because I saw my dad doing it, and I was like, "That's cool." And I I do that now, you know. You
5: mean you don't have to work in a church to love Jesus and to live your life?
3: No, because there's people on the job site that need Jesus just as much as they do in the
5: church. So back to mom's point, you know, like you can't. You can't be like, oh, well, if my child's not serving in the ministry, like working for a ministry, then that means they're not following the Lord. If you start out like leading your kids to have God in their everyday lives, they will take that to wherever they're working and be a light. they will be pastors in the workplace. they will be prophets in the workplace. They will be healing people as they're walking into offices. So don't feel like, oh, if they're not working in a quote-unquote ministry, that does not take them out of the game.
3: Yeah, we were definitely encouraged as kids that that we were leaders wherever we were and so that didn't matter like it didn't matter if we were at church or if we were at work or whatever we were doing like you're you're influencing and you're leading wherever that is
1: i on purpose just came right out and said it you guys are not followers you're leaders you set the you set the tone of of the conversation you decide where the group's going to go when when you start getting old enough to drive and you have friends and and uh, so we were we were just intention not perfect by any any means we could do a whole nother show of all the things we did wrong I'm sure. <laughs> oh, that'd be an interesting one. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a per, a great way to attract viewers, you know, talk about all the bad <laughs> stuff. But uh but you know love go- covers that stuff and you just decide, you know, I'm still committed to Jesus, I'm committed to my loving my family. Um I'm intentional with what I believe. And uh, you can do that in any setting, like we just said. It doesn't have to be a a pastor's family or a tr- camp director's family.
5: I think what you said there was really key about uh, love carrying you through. Because, like, honestly, you know, we've always been like the Sheely family. People have always said, oh, I just want to be a part of the Sheely family. They're just so awesome. But the, the truth of the matter is, is, like, we've had hard times. Like, there are days where we just do not like each other. But I think it comes down to. That we just have chosen over the years, no matter what we're going through, at the end of the day, we love each other and we're family and we're not going anywhere. And and so whether or not we're having an argument or anything, at the end of the day, we're family, nothing changes that. And because we have the Lord in our heart, we know that that no matter what's going to happen, we're going to love each other and we're going to work this out. And where a lot of families, you know, one thing happens and then they don't speak to each other for 10 years. So I think even in our sibling relationships, you know, we'll have a hard time. But at the end of the day, we know, like, you're the only one we get, you know? <laughs> so it's like, we got to take care of it.
1: That's right. Well, we, we're so happy that you were here with us today on the Church Doctor's Show. And uh, thank you for joining us, all my four children.
2: Do y'all, anybody else have anything they want to say? You're welcome.
1: and uh we just uh so glad that you're here with us today uh like and share our program pass it on to another family that you know of uh, that maybe this will encourage them also remember to stay hydrated (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's all kinds of wisdom flowing here today (laughs) so Uh,
2: thank you for joining us and if you have any questions or comments please be sure to email us or uh, go to our website at outpouringintl.com and leave us a comment we would love to hear from you like and share this podcast we'll see you again the next time
0: Janae why don't you send us out on the podcast okay I think I will Thanks for joining us on the Church Doctors Podcast. For more information or to contact us, please visit
1: our website at outpouringintl.com.